G'day folks, Josh here. How are you going? Welcome back to Dead Set Podcasting. This is part two of my conversation with co-founder and CEO of Rebel Base Media and Captivate.fm, Mark Asquith. If you missed the last episode, I'll catch you up a little bit. We spoke about how Mark discovered podcasting, how his business endeavours kind of coalesced with an interest in comic books and talking about business and all these other interests that he had and that ended up finding a platform in podcasting and then the technology that he now works on kind of morphed from those early experiences. So he's a top bloke, a very insightful guy. He flatters me a couple of times in this upcoming episode, so just disregard that. He's just too nice to have called me out on my BS, but this is a really interesting chat. We talk about the misappropriation of the entrepreneurial label in podcasting, how there's a lot of myths and some truths about using that label and thinking about yourself that way. We also talk about, which is really interesting, the state of podcasting in the UK, how it's fostering a lot of talent, a lot of great shows that are just finally starting, I guess, to find global recognition and also some local recognition, which is interesting. Okay, we'll jump in with Mark now. I don't want to keep you forever. If you want to support the show, buymeacoffee.com slash deadsetpod. If you want to have your show edited by myself, deadsetpodcasting.com slash services. And yeah, this is Mark from Rebel Base Media and Captivate.fm. And I guess once again, he's challenging me for the thickest accent in podcasting about podcasting. Righto. Let's get about it. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a fully independent podcast about podcasting with a global focus and perspective. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Quote, the amount of online entrepreneurs who are now fitness gurus in lockdown is insane. The same people who teach email marketing, podcasting, YouTube, copywriting, and 30 other things whilst telling aspiring online business people to niche, watch where you spend, end quote. So that was a pretty direct statement and also obviously a little tongue-in-cheek, but you've also released an episode of your show, The Podcast Accelerator, recently that talked about maybe the classification of entrepreneur being mis appropriated by certain podcasters and maybe misapplied to others so can we just talk about that because i think this is probably the first thing that i really gravitated to about yourself that you can see the sense of the business case for podcasting without getting sucked up in the entrepreneurial what i would call the crap trap of spam and list building and all that dirty stuff that maybe doesn't sit as well for us laid-back australians as other people (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I was kind of, you're right, I was tongue-in-cheek about it. I put another one out as well, which was um, because I've been exercising more every day and I've been journaling every day, this now (laughs) qualifies me to become a coach. And it was obvious, because that's what happens, isn't it? Now, you know, I say this not to slight the people that call themselves entrepreneurs and that do all that stuff that we talked about, because they are valid tactics. The problem that I have with it is that they pursue the wrong thing. So people pursue the ideal of entrepreneurship and the label of entrepreneurship. I know people legitimately who have not made a damn penny in business 
but call themselves entrepreneurs and try, try to teach people and sell coaching to people on how to become an entrepreneur. And they are constantly, every six months, pivoting to something new because they can't make anything stick. So what I'm talking about really with this is that, look, all those tactics, email list building, uh, social media marketing, uh, lead magnets, every, everything that, you know, quote unquote entrepreneurs do, they're marketing. They're just, they are tactics. They are just, they're one part of a marketing mix that every business needs to do. And yeah, it feels mucky and it does feel dirty, but ultimately they all have a place. But the point of it is not to pursue the entrepreneur tag. It's to just accept that you're a business owner. Like I know so many people that call themselves entrepreneurs and I say, well, tell me what you've done. And all they've done is have spun up an online business that frankly hasn't grown for years. Don't get me wrong. It turns over decent revenue, but it's a lifestyle business. Couple of million, three million a year, lifestyle business stuff. Nothing wrong with that. It's a brilliant business. But People pursue the wrong thing with that. They want to become that entrepreneur. They want to become people like that when instead what they should be doing is saying, do you know what? I just run a small business and we sell this thing and this is how we sell it and this is how we're going to grow it. Because that galvanizes your your thinking. It, It forces you to consider what's important in business. Like how do I spend my days? It's not doing all the things that make me look like an entrepreneur. It's doing the dirty stuff behind the scenes, getting your hands dirty. I published an episode today called Do the Little Work. That's a um, great, great episode. It's a, you know, it's about... Yeah. Well, thanks, man. And it's, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the flip side to that tweet. It's like the sequel to that tweet where people, you know, they've just got to get their hands dirty. You know, like my day, let's have a look what my day has been like today. Like I'm quote unquote CEO, which I hate. Like I really find that super uncomfortable. Like what have I done today? I've posted a job for a graphic designer that we're doing. I've written that job. I did the design for that job's featured image. I reviewed a blog post from one of our content writers. Oh, and then I'm doing some accounting. Then I've got to do some cash flow work. I've got some calls. I've got this interview. Then I've got to send some legal documents out. Then I've got to do a, a Facebook Live, um, and I've got to work on some partnerships. Like, is it a, that's a real varied type of job. Oh, and I've got to manage the developers, the engineers that we've got to make sure that they're running uh, smoothly. Like That's a real varied piece of work, and entrepreneurs don't want to do that because they get taught that they've got to delegate all that stuff. So immediately, immediately, they bring some money in and instantly spend it rather than saying, do you know what? I'm going to do the hard work for a little while. Here's another thing that I've got to do today. Support. I will do product support. I will do podcast websites. I'll dip in. I'll have a look, make sure everything's going all right. I'll do captivate support and I'll make sure everything's going all right there. And I'll dig in, answer some questions, work on some support. Like entrepreneurs, quote unquote, outsource that. But the problem with that is that's why they flip flop because they don't deeply understand people enough. So they flip-flop because they think that what they're doing isn't right or not good enough or they're not making money fast enough when instead a lot of them are just small business owners sat on a really good business idea and it just needs a little bit of work. But instead, they're telling everyone they're an entrepreneur and buying microphones and buying fancy cameras and, you know, all this crazy stuff and, and working on funnels, which don't get me wrong, funnels exist. It's marketing. It really is marketing. But don't over-engineer it. So it's this huge, huge cultural problem. And there are, there are a lot of people that are doing this right. You know, there are people, online entrepreneurs that are in the podcasting space or uh, affiliate marketing space that do do this really well, that are 
small business owners and get their hands dirty. There was one the other day that I saw, and I won't mention any names, but there was one that I saw the other day who earns decent revenue, you know, maybe maybe kind of two or three million a year. And they'd posted that they'd recorded the video and they were just about to edit that video ready for the YouTube channel. I was like, do you know what? They could easily outsource that, but the person has sat down and they've got their hands dirty and they're going to create the thumbnail. They're going to do the keyword research, write the description, write the title. And it's no accident that the people that do well are the people that barely label themselves as anything except just doing their job. So that's the rant, man. That's the rant. (laughs) It's an excellent rant and probably applicable to much more than just the podcasting space. But if we could just go micro for a second and take some of those ideas and apply them to podcasting, there's two questions that I wanted to ask you, Mark. I hear from a lot of thought leaders in the space that if you want your podcast to operate well, to grow, you should run it like a business, which is strange to me because even a rudimentary understanding of business is that most of them fail. So I'm not sure why that's the model that we're putting out there. Surely it has to be a balance of art, craft and business and what you're talking about, the little work, the actual day-to-day dirt stuff. But the other thing is that is calling yourself an entrepreneur instead of maybe just a show creator, is that likely to steal some of the intrinsic benefit that people get from making a show if they're just looking at it purely as a business thing? Because I'm assuming the person you're talking about that made the video and still edits their own video, maybe they're getting satisfaction out of the craft of doing that video or the artistic product at the end. They're not depriving themselves of that joy just to be an entrepreneur. So I know there's a fair bit in that. So just tackle what you want. Call me out for any other that's maybe BS. No, I think you nailed it, man. I think, you know, that, that latter part of it where you're right, you know, they're not denying themselves uh, the satisfaction of the craft um, by uh, artificially chasing a label. You know, by virtue of this person in particular is one of the genuine entrepreneurs. And to me, in order to define an entrepreneur, they have to have a provable track record of building businesses that did all right or that have failed and they learned from and then bounced back with something that did do all right. And they've done that several times. It's not if you run a business, like you're a, you are a small business owner if you run a business. And that is it. So this person I'm talking about has done that. They've created a couple of different projects, different products, and have got their big flash, flagship thing that they still do. Now, I think you're absolutely right. You know, they don't chase that entrepreneur dream. They are by virtue of doing the little work and, you know, appreciating the craft and really getting their hands dirty. They are an entrepreneur by proxy and would probably be wildly uncomfortable with being called one. That's my experience with that. To your first question, which I thought was brilliant, it's, I would, there's a couple of examples I could use with this. So a podcast generally, you know, it fits into a couple of different brackets. I used to be in a band when I was younger. So was I, for a long time, yeah. What do you play? What's your What's your thing? Bass to start with, but guitar in the band, and we did pretty well. And that's where I get... Nice, man. That's where I get most of my maybe business doesn't always apply to creativity as directly as people think. <laughs> exactly, man, exactly. Well, I'm the same. I'm a bass player and, you know, laps bass player. And I was in a band because I loved it and I really enjoyed it. And had I pursued that band like a business, it would have failed and I would have thought I was terrible at business. On the other hand, and I'm going to use a really random example because my mum brought me up on it, Bon Jovi, classic, middle of the road, 
just commercial rock music. And that's not by accident. You listen to their earlier albums, it's not. It's dirty, New Jersey, American, early 80s rock. It's scrappy, it's messy, but there's some decent songs. Fast forward to album number three, suddenly it's commercial because the leader, the CEO of that band, John Bon Jovi, realised that what he was doing was a job. He was building a business and his product was his band. And that's the difference between me and John Bon Jovi, apart from the fact that he can sing, and I cannot. But it's the same for podcasts. If you go into podcasting wanting to make a business out of it, then you have to treat it as a business. But if you go into it like we do with Sparker Rebellion, our Star Wars show, because we bloody love Star Wars and debate whether Captain Rex is going to be in Mandalorian season two, uh, odds on, by the way, it's <laughs> one of those things that if you don't treat it as a business, that's all right, because it doesn't need to be accountable to you as a business and you can enjoy it. And if serendipity kicks in, fine, you can make a bit of money, you can enjoy it, you can cover your costs, maybe even take a bonus every year, might pay for a holiday, all well and good. But the second you make that switch, and the podcast becomes your business, then you better treat it like a business because otherwise you're going to fall out of love with it because its performance criteria has changed. It's not just how much do I enjoy doing it as the performance criteria, it's how much money is it making me, which is the performance criteria. And you have to spend so much more time to up that criteria, to up the numbers. And then the, the kind of the last part of that, the last thing to think about is there are so many other people and this is why I think many business shows are failing. I was talking to a very big podcaster this week about why their show is not growing. And the difference is that if you start a show and you already have a business, you better be really bloody sure that you understand that this podcast for your show is only going to do one of two things, build your network or be marketing. It will only be content marketing or a network builder. It ain't going to do anything else. It might make a bit of sponsorship, but if it does, it's probably your business. The podcast is the product. For 90% of people in business who do podcasting, the podcast is just content marketing or a networking tool or a mixture in most cases of both. So that's the thing to kind of unpack with this is that, you know, podcasting, just because we all record podcasts doesn't mean we've all got the same goals. And if we... If we if we think of podcasting like so many business people did from 2014, maybe 2013, up to maybe even 2019, mate, honestly, if we think about it in that period, six-year period, people were starting shows because it was easy picking. They could get some decent numbers and it would generate revenue for them through their quote-unquote funnel. If they have one or whatever, it would generate leads for them. But now it's mainstream. It's more mainstream. 90,000 shows, according to uh, Daniel J. Lewis, um, will hit Apple Podcasts this month, May. 90,000 new shows. New shows will hit Apple Podcasts. When I started in podcasting, there, was less than, there were less than 200,000, mate, when I started. So half of all the shows that existed, almost another 90,000 will go into Apple Podcasts this month. Now, that's the difference it's become slightly more mainstream, which is which means that it's doing what it is intended to do. Podcasting is an entertainment medium or an education medium. And that is something that a lot of business people in podcasting don't understand. Like, you better be entertaining or you better educate me. And ideally, if you're going to educate me, you better be really bloody entertaining with it. <laughs> because if not, I'm turning off. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <laughs> 
It's, it's changed. The landscape's changed. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, lot, a heck of a lot that we could get into with that one. But ultimately, I mean, the key takeaways are if you are a business and you create a podcast, understand that it is exceptionally rare that that will become your business. If you create a business that is a podcast, you better treat it like a business. Otherwise, it ain't going to be a business. And if you create a podcast to be a hobbyist, don't beat yourself up because you're putting an hour a week into it. Why the heck would it perform like a business? So that would be that would be the kind of summation of it, I think. That's excellent. And I guess just before maybe we move off that point, for me, I used to listen to a lot of business shows and it might be why I got disenchanted with that particular genre I guess was there's a distinction between your audience respecting what you've achieved and wanting to do the same and you having a good show and after the luster wears off of listening to someone because you admire their achievement at some point along the listener journey you also want the content to be great like funny, entertaining, whatever it is you're looking for, because as soon as you work out as a listener, okay, I can't be that guy or that girl or whatever. I can't make millions of dollars. I was only enamored with the achievement, not the show itself. Then you're going to lose those listeners. So to me, I still think the core product has to be as good a show as it can possibly be, because after a period of time, that audience being enamored with your achievements is going to fade and then they're left with is this show good or not and as you've said mark there's a lot more good shows every day so and there's a lot more pure entertainment based shows for people to choose from so i don't know if there's anything in there you want to pick apart or if you'd want to move on but no, I think it's I think it's a useful thing to to kind of spend a, a minute or two on, and in that you're right, production values have to go up, um, because as brands are, are entering this space, brands want to sponsor something that's going to perform. In order for something to perform, uh, it has to be great, because it's not just a case of let's just make the best of what we've got as a listener. Like when there are 150,000, 200,000 shows, it's it's fairly easy to do to do an average podcast or a terrible podcast even. But if it's one of only five that talk about the thing that the person wants, you've got a 20% chance of, of getting that listener. And if the others aren't, you know, as good as yours or if they're only marginally better, you know, you stand the chance of doing all right. Whereas now it's a listener market. They have options. You know, they can do whatever the heck they want and listen to whoever they want, whenever they want, because everyone's got a podcast now. So you have to be great and you have to focus on your listeners and building your tribe up, your crew, your peeps. That You've got to follow what they want and deliver the very best for them. So the landscape really has changed, dude, and it's changed before our eyes. You know, I've seen it change even in the last year. I've seen it change so radically and so rapidly that people can't do what they were doing even this time last year. Yeah. And I guess before we just move on, I want to ask a few specific questions about podcasting in Britain itself in the UK. But first, I just wanted to share a little story. The first year that I judged the Australian Podcast Awards was 2017. And the judging process was very involved. And it was excellent and it gave you a full idea of the show and the quality of the show. What I can say is if your plan is just to put out an average show, you need to understand that maybe you listen to 20 or 30 shows a week and you think I'm going to be as good as the average show amongst what I listen to. All what I discovered, Mark, was that there's so many more great shows you've never heard of than you would ever imagine. 
the competition is exponential compared to maybe what you think it is coming in now. And that was 2017. So I can't even imagine what how good the average show is now compared to what it was then. It's now that it's 2020. It's going to be X amount better again than what it used to be. So I think a little bit of time spent trying to craft something that's strong out of the gate, like you guys did with Captivate, for example. I think it's maybe more crucial now than maybe what I would have said it was even three years ago when I was a judge on the awards. Fully agree with that, man. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It's 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 very difficult to stand out. And the only way to stand out from day one really is to say, look, I'm going to produce something so good that when someone tries this, I'm going to make it very difficult for them to not want to try the next episode. You know, and that that's the ultimate ultimate goal is to keep it sticky. Uh, and the only way to do that is for it to be exceptional. So yeah, I think, again, I think you nailed it, mate. Excellent. So just about podcasting in the UK, it's something that we don't hear a lot about what it's like to actually do it there. I don't always think that conferences are a uh, direct indication of what's going on in a, a culture, an artistic culture. Sometimes it's the marketing arm of the companies that are involved in the culture, but I'm not sure whether every single person <laughs> is represented at a, at a podcasting conference. So whether I haven't heard many about ones in Britain anyway. That's probably just a little pet peeve that I have. It seems like all I hear about is conference season, 24-7 now. Everything's a conference season, mate. It's like every, every the 12 months of the year, it's conference season now. It didn't used to be that way, but now it's just leading up to conferences, talking about what happened there, what's going on at the next one. I'm getting a little, I'm a bit over it, as you can probably tell. Can you tell us a little bit about, obviously, you guys have magnificent, really, history of public media in the UK and just world-class comedians and theatre and movies that are made there and obviously a lot of the great literature in the Western world comes from your country historically. Where's podcasting, I guess, as an art form? I want to try to keep it maybe to the more creative side. What's going on there that's interesting? Well, that's a really good question. So I think one of the the, the main things to understand with this is that the you know the multiple layers of podcasting are fascinating to me. Uh, so you do have some real creative shows, everything from you know football shows, uh, you know people like the Anfield Rap, the guys um, they've been into our studio, they use the studio a couple of times, and you know those guys are really being creative in how they take sports reporting. But then you also got like you've got audio dramas and like, there's a, a new true crime podcast on Captivate, which is run by two people that are just like, what an amazing background. One of them is a former detective. The other one's a former lawyer and they're from Sheffield, came to our meetup and started a show. And it's, it's, it's brilliant, mate. And that is, I think that's where things are starting to set away. You've got your top tier of people. David Tennant's been in a podcast up, Peter Crouch, Russell Brand, you know, those guys being, very, very much taking advantage of what they already have as a personal brand. Then the layer down, I think, is where the creativity is. So, you know, the kind of lower level is like the indies, like like me that produce content because it supports everything I do and I love talking. And the, you know, that middle ground is what's interesting to me. Independent creators that are spending a lot of time, not a lot of budget, 
because they don't need to, because they're spending a lot of time crafting something that really is brilliant. And I think that's where it's fascinating culturally in the UK is that you're getting a lot of people now getting picked up by production companies and, you know, options for TV shows and, and, and Spotify putting money into them. And that, that, that for me is where the UK is starting to flourish a little bit, where the UK was maybe previously like 18 months, two years, maybe even three years behind the US. You know, it's really starting to catch up. And that middle ground, the independent creators that are really going deep into creating something excellent, like that's where it's fascinating to me because there's a heck of a lot going on there. That's pretty amazing and i feel very similar to where maybe australia's at now and i mean we've had shows like teacher's pet come out which is probably the pinnacle of what you would call a really elaborate complex audio podcast coming out of australia and that's considered by a lot of people around the world as you know a world-class show i think the world's starting to flatten out a little bit with how far ahead the u.s is (laughs) in terms of the creativity of shows so I know, Mark, you've got to go, so maybe we can get you back in the future and we can really dig in on the UK and just really talk about what's going on there. But is there anything you wanted to say to the Deadset podcasting audience, keeping in mind that most of them long-term are probably going to be from Australia and New Zealand? They're mostly from the US at the moment, but that might change. Depends on how they feel about our accents. (laughs) Well, you never know. You never know. But no, I think it's just, I think the main thing that that comes out of this conversation for me is just, you know, you've got to stick to the people um, that appreciate your your thoughts and your views. Be open and and, and thoughtful yourself. And, you know, you will attract the right sort of people, whatever field you're in, you know, whether it's business, leisure, podcasting, whatever. Um, You know, if you stick to your guns and only only be around the people that you really want to be around, you know, you'll attract people like you and I um, have attracted each other in terms of conversation and and coming together. So that's just one general rule I've got. But thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You're a great host, very insightful, very inquisitive. So thanks for all you're doing. It's, uh, it's, It's brilliant to be a part of it. Well, thank you, sir. And at Mr. Asquith on Twitter to see that British podcast guy. So thanks, Mark. And yeah, Captivate FM, really, or Captivate.FM, I should say, really enjoying the product. And yeah, it's just a beautiful system that you've set up there. And and the support is unlike anything I've ever experienced. So anyone who's thinking I might do the trial, just do the trial. It's pretty awesome. So, (laughs) Well, thanks, man. I'll pass that on to Sam and Allegra and Judy and the rest of the team. Thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot. Okay, but well, I better let you go and get back to work and I'm going to go to bed. Oh, yeah, of course. It's quite late for you. Well, thanks for taking the time so late, dude. It's, it's always good to chat, and I'm sure we'll chat inevitably as we always do. Excellent. Okay, thanks, bud. Thanks, mate. See you soon. See you, Mark. Catch ya. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.